Hi, this is Jameer Thurman, linebacker for the D.C. Defenders. Welcome to XFL Extra, the XFLboard.com podcast. Are you ready for some more XFL? Welcome back to XFL Extra, the podcast brought to you by XFLboard.com. I'm your host, Mark Nelson, and this is our 29th episode. In this episode, you will hear from two guests. First, we will speak to DC Defenders linebacker, Jameer Thurman. We will talk to Jameer about the standout season he is having with the Defenders and hear how Jameer feels the Defenders are destined to go all the way to the XFL Championship. Then we will speak to Brendan Howe, our XFLboard.com team reporter for the DC Defenders. Brendan will help dissect a very interesting XFL Week 5 and help to provide a look forward into Week 6. Are you ready? As usual, we won't waste any time. Let's get started. I'd like to welcome DC Defenders linebacker Jameer Thurman to the podcast. Welcome, Jameer. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for agreeing to do this interview. First things first, uh, congratulations on the big win for the Defenders over the Battlehawks last weekend. Thank you, thank you. Especially for yourself, uh, you had a great game. You had seven combined tackles, and of course you had a big blocked punt that you left the ball on the field for your line mate, Jonathan Celestin, to pick it up and return <laughs> it for a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, we, we're still talking about that now. You know, I, I think I could have got there. A lot sooner, but um, we we got the ball back, and one of us should have scored on that play. But um, it was it was it was a great time. We much needed play as well in, uh, in that point in the game. So I was glad I was able to come up with that. Yeah, you know, I apologize. I I said you returned he returned for a touchdown, but he didn't. He returned it to the one yard line, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah, was... that's the joke is that you felt that you would have made it into the end zone. No, the joke is we should have scored. One of us should have scored anyway. I think we both kind of like saw each other and was like, who's going to pick it up? And we kind of hesitated, both of us. But um, in real time, it doesn't look like that. But we can see how we were looking. And um, we were talking about it after the game and, and today even that one of us should have scored. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's it's fun to think about it now. Uh, of course, uh the defenders came out on top, so uh, that that was a, a major play in in shutting down the shutting down the Battlehawks mm-hmm. offense, wasn't it? Yeah, it definitely was. You know, I, I, we was hoping to get a touchdown off of that, even from the offense as well, to really seal the game. But you know, we still got some points off of it, which helped. So it, it helped us in the long run. Now that was a big game for the DC defenders because you guys had. Mm-hmm come off two losses and you were probably starting to wonder when your next win would be and of course it came to you at home didn't it yeah it definitely did you know those those last two games they were they were rough um went through a little bit of adversity as a team um had to look at ourselves in the mirror and really figure out like well we had to get back to how we were the first two weeks of the season and you know it was Nothing better than coming back home and, and, and picking up where we left off last time we were uh, in D.C. 
it was good to see the DC Defenders come back with a win because uh, we could tell that there's a lot of uh, power on the Defenders. You've got a good head coach in Pep Hamilton. You've got a good team, don't you? Yeah, yeah. We definitely know who we are as a team, and it was time to get back to um, playing Defenders football for sure. Now the DC Defenders are in the thick of things in the XFL East now, aren't you? You guys are you guys are going to drive for the for a playoff spot, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely the plan and the goal to get the playoff spot and be in the championship game and winning it. Um, that's definitely uh, where we are. You know, we got a tough stretch coming up um, in Dallas, Houston, um, but I feel like we need these games to really set the tone going into the the last stretch versus the East teams uh, toward the end of the season as well. It'll be fun to watch the last five games. In fact, the season seems to be going by really quickly, isn't it? Uh, it, it seems like it, but I mean, we've we've been at this thing since December, so it's it's it's, it's we're about month three now uh, together. So we've been together for a decent amount of time. But yeah, it's it's five games already. So you know, when people be like, uh, "There's a lot of football left," it's really not. You know, we can't afford to really. Uh, count on always being another opportunity. So we got to take advantage of the ones that we have at hand. Yeah, of course, there's no bye weeks. Uh, you just got to keep going and uh, keep mm-hmm. going and driving towards the playoffs. You know what it's like to be a championship, uh, be on a championship team uh, at least once when you were with the Calgary Stampeders. You helped win the yeah. 2018 Grey Cup in Calgary with the CFL, yeah. didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah. Now, uh, you're a Chicago native. Yeah. Grew up in Chicago, went to high school in Proviso West High School. Uh, yep. In the Chicago neighborhood of Hillside, Illinois. Yeah. And you went to college at Indiana State uh, University, played for yeah. the Sycamores. Yes, sir. In Terre Haute. Yep. And then after your college experience, you went undrafted in 2017. And you, but you were looking for a football opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I. Uh... I had two rookie minicamp invites from the uh, 49ers and the Bears in 2017. Um, didn't get anything from those, so I was basically training uh, back at home, waiting for an opportunity, and uh, Calgary called and said they wanted to sign me right away without even seeing me in person and all that. So it was a great feeling to feel wanted at the time, and, you know, a great opportunity for me to go up there and uh, actually get some more film to get back to the NFL as well. So you had a good football experience in Calgary, didn't you? Oh yeah, I, I, I loved it up there. Like I, I, I was a part of two Grey Cups. I was in two Grey Cups, you know. So all I know up there is playing in the Grey Cup, and uh, finally, finally won one uh, the second year around. Um, so it was, it was a great time up there for sure. I guess most uh, United States football fans don't realize how big a deal the Grey Cup is in Canada, do they? No, they they really don't. They they just see it as a, another game on the. ESPN at the uh, sometime in November. Um, that's all they see, but uh, it's, it's definitely a big deal. And actually, the CFL is a big deal in uh, Canada as well, and, uh, and it's starting to grow a little more audience in the U.S. as well. As well I think too. Canadian football is actually quite good. Now, your experience with Calgary actually led you to uh, to be signed by the Chicago Bears in 2019. Signed with them in, in January of uh, 2019. Um, basically for a futures deal. Uh just did workouts in um for OTAs, uh mini camp, training camp, and then I got cut at the end of the preseason. So the opportunity with the the Bears uh never led to an NFL opportunity, which is what you really wanted to get to, right? 
Yeah, well, it it, it was a NFL opportunity. Um, I learned a lot in my time there with the guys that were on the team and all that. You know, that's an experience that I would never forget. Uh, being a part of that part of that group uh, before I was uh, released, I definitely enjoyed it, and I look forward to taking what I've learned from there and using that here to finish off the rest of this XFL season and for uh, future opportunities. So the positive was a positive experience, regardless uh, of, of where you ended up. And, of course, right after uh, your time with the Bears, you started to look at the XFL as your next opportunity, didn't you? I didn't initially look at it right away because I was uh, I was still waiting because I, I figured I, I had a good pre- pretty good preseason, so I probably thought that I could uh, get picked up by some team. Um, but the more time that went by, the XFL looks like an opportunity for me to um, get back uh, to the, in the NFL. So in October 2019, the D.C. Defenders drafted you, mm-hmm. and then you attended the mini camp and the training camp of the Defenders and joined the Defenders for the start of the season. And you're having fun now, aren't you? No, I'm definitely having fun. You know, with the guys on the defense, you know, and the team uh, flying around just just happy to be out there playing football again, you know, and, and winning and, and you know, just, just making plays out there with the guys on the field that we've we've been through a lot with the mini camp and training camp, you know. It was rough, uh, but now it's all the hard work that we uh, went through is paying off. Yeah, I can tell uh, that the hard work is paying off. Like in week two, uh, you, the D.C. Defenders and yourself, you helped shut down the New York Guardians offense. And mm-hmm. uh, you batted down one of Matt McGloin's passes and returned it 46 yards for a touchdown. That must have been fun. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely fun. You know, I haven't had a six six since college. And, you know, it's, it's always a great feeling when you get in the end zone, um, especially at pick six. You know, it's, it's, it's things that people dream of. And, you know, I just was glad I was able to help the team out, um, score some points, um, and, and just making an impact in the game. Now, uh, in week two, uh, XFL board fans actually nominated you as a defensive player of the week for week two. Mm-hmm. So that was an accolade. I think there was a tops card that came out with your picture on it too, wasn't there? I, I think so. I think I saw something uh, with that. I think it was on Twitter. I think I think I definitely saw something about that though. Yeah. So, like I said, you're having fun now. You're able to, to uh, pick the ball and have, score a touchdown and get some recognition, right? And win the game. Yeah, that, that's the most important thing, was the win. I, I mean, I could go in the game and, and not do anything. and uh, Well, not not do anything, but, you know, just uh, don't have those numbers that are recognizable and all that. But at the end of the day, if we get the win and I do my job on the team, that's all that matters. Yeah, of course. The XFL has a lot of uh, fan-friendly uh, devices. For example, the sideline interviews. So after something happens, you get a sideline interview. Do you like those? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do. Uh, for me, though, being on special teams, it's always hard when they try to grab me because um, anytime I can be going back on the field for a special teams play. Um, but I think it's nice. You know, you get feedback from guys uh, coming off the field, especially after they make a good play, a great play. You know, they, they get excitement. You know, you can, it shares with the fans a little more on a, on a more personal level. I mean, the downfall is if you, when you make a mistake, like um, like when our kicker missed a field goal and they talk to him right after. I mean, that, and if I was in that situation, I wouldn't know what to do or say. So 
it's, it's, it's positive and negative to it, you know. Yeah, that's a tough situation for the kicker who just missed because uh, a lot of the kicking game is in the head, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, I'm I'm not in that department. Uh, exactly, so yeah. I don't know what's going on in their mind, but I know it's, it's rough, you know, because it's either um, they make it or miss it. You win games with them, you lose games. Like, this. They're a hero or they're or the they're the villain. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I don't know. So next week, uh and I know I know you guys are working hard on preparing this week because next week Dallas comes to town, comes to DC for a Sunday game. So what can we expect uh next week from the defenders? Well, I think we need to um just keep this momentum from this past game. Um defensively, you know, we have to we made a, a major uh, difference this game in Tampa Bay. You know, we gave up we gave up a lot versus Tampa, and that was probably one of our worst defensive performances this season. And um, just building off of what we just did uh, to St. Louis, you know, that win and, and, and keeping that momentum uh, moving forward uh, into Dallas. So it sounds like you guys know exactly what you need to do to prepare for uh, next week's game then. Well, we, we, we're still working on it now. You know, we've got to get practices uh, in and all that. But, um, I mean, it's just a day after a game yesterday. Um, but, I mean, we still – we're going to uh, – we're already starting to watch film and, and get ready for Dallas, you know. So it's another home game, and you guys do mm-hmm. well at home. You've, you're unbeaten at home, but you're, mm-hmm. uh, you've yet to win on the road. So that's another mm-hmm. thing, another monkey you have to, have to get off your back, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. But I mean, we got Dallas coming up, and we don't worry about the uh, Houston game. And, and as soon as we get known in Dallas, uh, but we definitely have to find a way to win on the road. You know, that's I mean, you got you got to be able to win on the road in any league. So you know, we just got to get over that hump uh, at some point in time in the season. Well, I think it'll happen. I frankly, I think it's going to happen. Now uh, mm-hmm. they put it on the field for the love of football. Now, what does that mean to mm-hmm. you? Well, you know, I. For me, uh, I think for the love of football is, you know, just it's giving a lot of guys another opportunity and chance to, to play the game that they love. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of people that without the XFL wouldn't have jobs right now uh, or probably would be doing something else, not playing the game of football. And I think um, especially in the first year, I mean, it says a lot about the guys that are on the teams and, and have this opportunity to really – play the game that they love. You know, that's that's my take on it, especially with this, this being the first year of the XFL. I think it was a great slogan. Yeah, I think it's a great slogan too. Well, Jameer, I'd like to thank you again for coming out to the podcast today. It's been wonderful talking to you and hearing about your take on the, the Defenders. Uh, people can follow you online on Twitter uh, at uh, jtherm underscore 20. I'll spell that out, J-T-H-U-R-M underscore 20, right? Yes, sir. And I wish you good health and good luck, and I'll be watching for you on the football field this Sunday. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I'd like to welcome Brendan Howe to the podcast. Now, along with covering the D.C. Defenders for XFLboard.com, Brendan is a junior journalism major at Slippery Rock University in Pennsylvania, where he serves as the assistant campus life editor and has written over 100 stories for his school's award-winning student publication, The Rocket. And he has also written extensively in the field of sports. Welcome, Brendan. Hi, how are you? 
I'm great. Now, this is your first time with me on the podcast, and I thank you for coming out. Mm, thank you. Yeah, it's good that you took the time to uh, be with your with us here today. I know you were out walking your dog, and uh, I think your your poor dog has to wait for you now while you talk to me about the XFL, right? <laughs> she can sit in the car for a little while, though. She's good. Oh, that's good. Well, I, I enjoy sitting <laughs> in the car. Uh, there were plenty of interesting games this past weekend, weren't there? Yes, definitely, especially, especially yesterday's slate with uh, D.C. and L.A. playing. A very, very interesting night. Yeah, it was fun to watch. Uh, actually, all the games were fun this week. Uh, let's let's you know what. Let's just run through the games from the start. Starting on Saturday, uh, Saturday at two p.m. Eastern, Seattle Dragons were at Houston. Did you catch that game? I I caught bits and pieces of it. I actually went up to camp with my family, so we we had a little bit of uh, problems with TV service and stuff. But I I caught a few bits and pieces. Seattle actually came out. Uh, pretty positive in that game uh, of course they did lose the game 32 to 23 to houston houston was just too powerful for them weren't they yeah they, they had the chance at the end that the, the refs in the league kind of apologized for the few seconds left and the nine points on the board but it wasn't everyone was saying it wasn't really likely that they were going to score but definitely against a team such as houston that is so undefeated and sort of at the top of the league right now um they're the most probably the most defined team. Everyone's still kind of figuring out their identity, even though it's halfway in the season. It's, these next five weeks will be interesting. Well, Houston has just so many weapons, don't they? They just have so many offensive yeah, weapons. Yeah, they do. Yeah, it's hard to beat them. Now, that officiating controversy, that that really took a, uh, an ugly turn uh, against the league, didn't mm. it? Yeah, but the, it, it's nice that the league will admit its mistakes and kind of admit to his fans that it made a mistake and fix those going into the future and kind of be transparent with everybody that watches and pays attention. Yeah, transparency is the name of the game with the XFL, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's been awesome talking to the players. uh, The teams and the media agencies that I've gotten in touch with have been very cooperative with setting me up to talk to players and just learning more about the sport and how they're trying to change the, the game, you know. So from what you're saying, you're you're feeling a good vibe from this league, right? Oh, definitely. I I really I I actually have arguments with my friends about it. <laughs> my friends were saying the other night that they don't really watch it because it's not really the quality of football that they sort of are used to. But you got to give it a chance, especially with the. I know you don't really know as many names of the players, but like Tyree Jackson stepping in for DC last night or yeah yesterday, that was interesting because he's known in this region. He played in Buffalo. I'm from Pennsylvania. So I kind of knew about him when he got drafted by the Bills and got cut. But it's nice to see those little regional players and kind of get a shot to continue playing and continue their careers and maybe in the NFL. Yeah, that is nice to see. And it's all about the opportunity, isn't it? Uh, you hear that a mm-hmm. lot. That You hear that word opportunity quite a bit when you're talking with people about the XFL. Yes, definitely. Uh, so let's move forward to the next game, New York Guardians at Dallas. And everyone thought, well, this will be another Guardians struggle. But they beat Dallas 30-12 to in Dallas. Yep, I, I caught a lot of that game, actually. With uh, I, I, I caught around third quarter where uh, New York sold in on that run where they scored a few touchdowns and uh, kind of pulled away from Dallas. And then I had to shut it off, I believe. But that's another interesting thing is you see New York with Matt McGloin playing and they sort of struggle against DC. They lose 27-0. And these last few weeks, I talked to Derek Dennis. He's 
one of their linemen now. It's interesting to see how they're sort of on the upwards curve with uh, Luis Perez at quarterback and just how the team has changed. And that's that's something you see from a lot of teams in the XFL is just they, you can play bad one week. It's, it's such a cliche. Anybody can win on any given weekend. But with this league, it's really true so far. And it, it keeps fans entertained and excited for what's going to come next. Yeah, it seems to be some sort of parody happening in the league where, where any team can win now. It, it's not decided, maybe with the exception of, of Houston, who seem to be able to win it every week. But, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I'm, I'm thinking their week will come, too, where they're just not going to uh, be able to put it on the field. Now, Perez, mm-hmm. Perez is doing really well in New York, so is he solidly the starter now for New York? I, I'm i not sure. I, I think he might be because McGowan kind of had that rough game with the defenders, and he kind of... Uh, criticize the coaches but there's this Perez and I was sort of curious on why Marquise Williams didn't get that but or get the start the last few weeks instead of Perez but Perez he was a D2 guy won the Harlan Hill I know all about that with going to Slippery Rock and our quarterback winning it this year D2 football is not a joke so there should be some res- more respect especially with guys like Perez mm-hmm. uh, doing well showing respectful players come from D2 so now, will Dallas keep going with Philip Nelson? I guess they have to until Landry Jones gets healthy again, right? Yep, and I know all about Landry Jones being a Steelers fan, watching him play against the Browns for years. I remember he'd play season finales and already be in the playoffs and had struggled against those Browns teams with Hugh Jackson. But um, I was thinking earlier, I know it's it's a like crazy thought, but with Johnny Manziel, and I was thinking what it would be like if they kind of put him in, or signed him and put him on the field and, Especially being in Texas, I feel like that would – I'm not uh, campaigning for him or anything like that, but it's just an interesting thought with not many people knowing who Philip Nelson is. But this league is definitely uh, proven it's not about gimmicks like sort of the AAF was. That was kind of its downfall. But, yeah, that would be definitely interesting uh, with the quarterback spot. And the, I think they should do it. There should be a trade. Nelson for McGloin. Oh, uh, I've, I've read some things on Twitter and – McGloin definitely, I think, out of the spotlight in New York, it's it's definitely a hard media city. I think that McGloin would probably work out in Dallas, yeah. Well, that'd be fine. That'd be interesting to see if that happens. Now, the other definitely. news, the other news from Dallas happened today, and I know you were working today, but you, did you catch that Hal Mummy was uh, has lost the offensive coordinator job in Dallas? I did see that, yeah. So a little bit. I don't. I don't know much background about the guy they brought in to replace him, but I did see that. I saw a notification come up and looked at my phone real quick. Something yeah. like you saw in L.A. the first week, where the defense kind of faltered, and teams, even Dallas, um, teams still want to. With five weeks left, they want to make a push towards the playoffs. So it's definitely understandable. I guess it's understandable. Now he broke his leg. Or he got a broken leg in the in the previous game mm-hmm. from a sideline injury, and then uh, what I heard from uh, today was that Bob Stoops was uh, uh, wanted his OC to be on the sidelines with him because, as you know, Hal Mumi was up in the booth in the last game, which is not where he normally is. Mm-hmm. So I, I I get the sense that maybe it's because of the broken leg and Hal Mumi can't stand on the sidelines, but. I also think it's a shakeup of the offense to try to get the offense to start producing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the new offensive coordinator there is Jeff Jagonski. So I, I actually, actually, I'm not sure that I pronounced his name correctly. I'm not even going to try. Um, yeah. Let's go forward to Sunday. So St. Louis Battlehawks at DC. The St. Louis Battlehawks offense 
Only scored six points. DC scored 15, and DC won that game. A big surprise, wasn't it? It was. I was going into the game uh, admittedly a bit nervous. Um, DC, definitely the, the stack came up. They gave up 32 points per game the previous two weeks before that, and the offense just looked terrible. And you got to give props to Pat Hamilton for being willing to take Cardell Jones out after the interception, even though it wasn't very costly. He was on third down. It basically worked as a punt. But I think putting Tyree Jackson and keeping him on the leash with the passing, he didn't pass much. Uh, and the running game was definitely, if they can combine that running game with Gerald Presley and Danelle Pumphrey and a little bit of Nick Brosette along, and they can find a pass game to go along with that, then I think that they'll be, they'll be dangerous heading in these next few weeks in Dallas and then Houston. Uh, that's definitely, I don't want to look forward, but Houston DC is a game I'm looking forward to covering. You know, it's a good thing for DC. They're they're actually at home again next week, mm-hmm. and and at home is where they play well, isn't it? It is. Away they were they were not very uh, competitive, shall I say. Uh, at home though, um, they they won obviously week one against Seattle, who not really the strongest team. They did show up against Houston, like you said, but uh, then they shut out New York, and maybe the last two weeks are anomaly. Maybe the team just hasn't figured it out yet, but. The defense is also defense and special teams. They they got all play in all three phases to kind of complete and win the games. Yeah, you know, and, and Tyree Jackson did pretty good. Uh, well, he won the he won the game for the defenders. He scored enough points to win the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story that we heard was that they just put him in for a series to just change things up because Cardell Jones was having uh, was not having a a good quarter. So they just put him mm-hmm. in for one series to change things up, and they just kept him in for the entire game. Yeah, it it will definitely be interesting to see how Pat Hamilton. I know Cardell Jones played in that uh, in and out offense with JT Barrett at Ohio State, so he, he knows how that goes. Didn't really go well that season. They, they I remember I'm an Ohio State fan. I remember almost crying after they lost to Michigan State from that uh, last last second field goal. But it'll be interesting to see Cardell Jones. You saw he was a leader. He comes right off the sideline after that t- first touchdown to Kari Lee. And he jumps up and he bumps shoulders with uh, Tyree Jackson. So definitely, he's a leader. He wants the team to win, and I'm I'm excited having him these next few weeks, especially being on top of the East right now. Yeah, they showed Cardell Jones being a team player. That was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now the Battle Hawks. Well, they didn't look so good, and uh, they must like their crowd in St. Louis because uh, <laughs> the DC crowd did not uh, cheer for them as much as their own crowd did. Now you interviewed yeah. you interviewed Kenny Robinson from uh, from the Battle Hawks recently and, and wrote a story about him for XFL board. Um, mm-hmm. Kenny Robinson had a great little interception in that game, didn't he? Yeah, that and he had the sack. Uh, I think it was in in the second or third quarter. He. <laughs> I when I wrote the story, I noticed he only had like 16 tackles. Here, yeah, West Virginia was all Big 12. He played a very close to the vest in the interview. He didn't really want to say much, which I know like what happened in college and him getting dismissed. It was it's a little touchy subject, so I didn't really want to press him and get into that. But he's definitely a player. He's the only college or the the only XFL player that's eligible for the NFL draft this year. So especially him being from about. 45 minutes from my hometown. It was cool to be able to talk to him and kind of get insight on what it's like to be someone so young in a professional sports league already. How high do you think he'll be drafted? What's your prediction? I was thinking, obviously, he, the the tape, he can he can tell uh, pro scouts that he has a tape against pro players already. But I think that probably mid-round, probably 3, 4, 5, I'm, I'm guessing he'll be someone that'll be able to find a spot and stick on a team for a little while. 
especially with the talent that he has. He, when he left for West Virginia, actually, he was a leader and the active leader in interceptions for the program. So that was a bit of a hit to them. When he got recruited, everyone in the country wanted him. He told me that uh, Florida, Miami, everyone came calling. He actually thought about playing playing with Pitt, coming back to Pittsburgh and playing with Paris Ford and that secondary, which is it's it's a uh, quiet little secondary that not many people know about yet, but I, I feel like this year they will. Yeah, he's you know he's a real uh, ball hawk that guy, Kenny Robinson. I think we should keep our eyes on him for the second half of the XFL season. He's going to do some fantastic uh, stuff for the XFL, and then he'll probably take off for the NFL, which is uh, I guess that's fine. It's good for him, good for his career. Now let's let's go to the last game of the uh, of the weekend, and this was the the funnest game ever. It was Tampa Bay Vipers uh, thirty four at LA forty one. Yeah, call it the game of the week. The Vipers came out big, and then the Wildcats came storming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was actually out for that one, but I uh, I kept getting the notifications on my phone from Twitter saying score, score, turnover, <laughs> and it just kept going on and on. It was like, man, I'm missing this game. I just kind of wanted to watch it. I wanted to go out with my friends, go to a restaurant and watch it, but I'll definitely need to go and uh, watch that on rerun like at home later. Yeah, you have to catch it later. Uh, there was one part where well, quarterback Josh Johnson was playing like a man possessed, especially after mm-hmm. the Vipers went ahead. Then he came out and he just started throwing bombs, and uh, it was wonderful. Now, at one point in time, later in the game in the fourth quarter, he got on the phone to offensive coordinator Norm Chow and told him, Coach, you're doing too much arguing complaining. Call play. Stop that. So he... He took on the offensive coordinator over the phone, and uh, uh, did you catch that replay? Or? I yeah, I did actually catch that, and he's he's definitely someone that can command a team. He it's it's well known. He played for thirteen teams in the NFL, and he's uh, a guy that traveled around a lot. But with his experience, he's he's definitely, I think, watching the games, especially defenders. He's he's the toughest quarterback to face so far, and that's saying something, considering they faced Taylor last night. And, he, yeah, he's definitely someone that has the veteran leadership that can kind of speak to a coach, not, like, talk down to a coach, but definitely speak to a coach and kind of communicate, being that he's he's definitely the unquestioned leader of that team. Yeah, he, he communicated pretty clearly to Norm Chow. It, in fact, it was perfect TV, and they could not have scripted that mm-hmm. any better. And, you know, with the first XFL, people said, well, it's all scripted. Of course, it never was. But if the WWF wanted to script something, they couldn't have done a better job. Not only that, ESPN <laughs> broadcasted it like it was a Brian De Palma movie with a split screen. So they, they did this split screen thing, and you could see you could see Johnson on the phone and Norm Chow on the other side listening to him and his deadpan reaction. <laughs> it was it was perfect. I I just like wow, that's really good TV. I don't know how ESPN uh, could not have played that any better when they broadcasted it. Definitely. Now, Taylor Cornelius was also making things happen for the Vipers. Of course, he came out big, and he had a big game as well. Now, he came just short of tying the game in the in the last series. I do think that Cornelius has sort of made enough of a name for himself. He obviously succeeded Mason Rudolph at uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, he's definitely made a name for himself in these past two games with the, his play. I know the run game is definitely really strong for the Vipers. They don't got his Patrick, who got hurt last night. But it's definitely a big help with a young quarterback to have a running game like that. And 
he's definitely going to push Aaron Murray when Murray gets healthy and possibly comes back to take a starting job. If he keeps having games and weeks like this, then it's, it's going to be hard for Murray to take back that job. Yes, in fact, I think it's a quarterback controversy is in the in the offing there, or maybe it won't be a controversy. Maybe they'll just run two two quarterbacks, mm-hmm. uh, a two quarterback set, which is something that I have the feeling that Mark Tressman actually likes to do. We'll find out. Uh, you know, all these these quarterbacks like Josh Johnson and, and uh, Taylor Cornelius, we're going to see way more from them in the second half of the XFL season, and I think we're going to see some big things from those guys. Um, so let's look forward to week six of the XFL, and we're going to, you know, we'll do some predictions. You and I will will predict who's going to win. First game, Saturday on ABC, Houston Roughnecks are going to the New York Guardians. Can New York do it? Can they beat the Roughnecks? I think New York's been on a bit of a tear as of late. I think they've won two straight now. I, I think that they can definitely put up even more of a fight than Seattle did because they've sort of found an identity at quarterback. McGloin's on the bench now, so. Sort of agree with you, you know, and I see this a lot on this podcast as I cheer for the underdogs. New York is one of my favorite underdogs. Uh, why Why can't they beat the Houston Roughnecks? Houston Roughnecks are due for a loss. And on the road to New York, why not? So let's, let's hand it to the New York Guardians for a win there at home. The next game on Saturday, St. Louis Battlehawks traveling to Tampa Bay to take on the Vipers. I think that St. Louis will have something to prove after only putting up six points and yesterday's loss. Uh, I, Tampa Bay, we've we'll mentioned that with Cornelius, they're, they're a pretty stout team. That, that would be an interesting game. I think I'm going to give it to Tampa Bay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that Tampa Bay. Well, Tampa Bay, yeah. You know, they, they went to L.A. They had a rough game. They were in the game in L.A., but they lost. Mm-hmm. But now they're going to come home and they're going to want to win at home because they're actually a winning Definitely. team. I believe Tampa Bay's a winning team with a losing record. So I feel sorry for the Battlehawks. Again, on the road, they're going to have a rough time in Tampa Bay. So I'm handing it to Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. The next game, Sunday, Dallas Renegades are coming to D.C. D.C.'s at home again. Do you think D.C.'s going to win another home game? I think that this might be the clearest game of the week, actually, with how they played against New York last week on Saturday. And I think that D.C. might be picking up some momentum. I think as long as Pat Hamilton can figure out that quarterback room here in the next few days, I think that D.C., especially the running game, will will have an easy time against the the Renegades. Yeah, the Renegades are struggling. They're going to be on the road. They're going to have to pull it together with a new offensive coordinator as well. Uh, although I have to admit, sometimes a football team gets a shakeup in the coaching ranks and they come mm. out and they they actually do very well. But, you know, D.C. at home, and I, I wouldn't doubt if Pep Hamilton runs the same sort of quarterback scheme uh, in this game where he maybe Cardell Jones starts and then they hand it over to Tyree Jackson uh, at some point in the game if Cardell is uh, struggling. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to D.C. at home. Uh, the final game, Sunday later on ESPN2, LA Wildcats are going to Seattle. I think I might have to take back what I said about Dallas-DC being the clearest game with that. Um, Seattle's definitely been a team that struggled. Uh, Brandon Silvers hasn't been particularly explosive at quarterback, so I, I don't think that Seattle will be able to pull that out. Yeah, I feel bad for Seattle. They will be at home and they will be in front of their fans, and that's going to give them a boost because their fans can be loud and boisterous, 
that might give them enough boost to get into this game. But the LA Wildcats offense is just so it's so powerful right now. I think LA is going to beat Seattle at home. And I hate to say it because I'm, I always cheer for the underdog, but I'm going for LA Wildcats at Seattle as well. We're in agreement on all of this. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess we're in agreement. Well, thank you, Brandon, for for coming on the podcast. People can follow you online at Twitter and read your stories on XFLboard.com. Yep, I appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks, Brandon. Have a good day. Yep, you too. Thanks again to my guests, Jameer Thurman and Brandon Howe. I hope you enjoyed today's interviews. You're welcome to come back next time, where we will have more guests and more XFL. Until next time, this was your host, Mark Nelson, and I hope you enjoyed XFL Extra, the XFLboard.com podcast. Mm-hmm.